Hi, this is Kimmy from Hong Kong. Hello, this is Jerry from Toronto bringing you The Elephant in the Asian Room. A unique, edgy, out of the box podcast where we talk about issues that Asians do not talk about. Issues like mental health, sexuality, color of your skin, success, friendships, saving face, education, and gender inequality. Hello everybody. This is Jerry from Toronto. Welcome to our fourth episode. And I'm super excited to have Brett Ullman as our guest. Uh, Brett Ullman travels North America speaking to teens, young adults, leaders, and parents on topics including parenting, mental health, men, sexuality, pornography, dating, and media, all the topics we don't talk about in, in our Asian community. Uh, Brett is husband to Don and the father of Bennett and Zoe. Brett and his family make their home in Ajax, Ontario. Uh, Brett was a teacher with the Toronto District School Board for 10 years before moving to speaking full-time in 2005. Brett has a master's degree from Wheaton Graduate School in Chicago and is also a graduate of the Arrow Leadership Program. Brett, welcome to our show. Listen, let's just start welcome. off. Tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself, Brett. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. I love the even the tenant of your podcast, because it's kind of like what I do for a living. I speak on things that people don't usually like to talk about. But yeah, I was an educator. Uh, I've still missed teaching, but I'm 15 years full time in what I do now. And I travel uh, wow. and speak on, I say current issues, mental health probably being the biggest and then parenting being the second, especially during our COVID season. Those have been two things that have really been uh, exasperated, no matter who you are and where you're from. But uh, yeah, I travel full time. I'm an author and a blogger and a few other things as well. But uh, I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, awesome. so yeah, so wonderful having you here today. You're our first guest, so that's really exciting. So maybe <laughs> you could tell us a bit more of how you got into this. What made you decide that you want to start speaking up about mental health and other issues that you advocate? Well, I began speaking. Uh, I was still teaching full time. I went to a conference and heard someone speak on media, music, movies, television, and I speak, I was speaking in the youth world. And those are things we don't often talk about in that sphere. And so came back and began to speak. Now, my wife is a nurse, I was a teacher, I never thought this would be anything else in my life, except for those things. But speaking went from like two talks one year, seven, the next 15, kind of like doubled every year until I found myself a pregnant wife, one and a half year old who hadn't slept through the night, another sure. conversation uh and still teaching full-time and teaching is a pretty intense job as it is and so like i teach a full week i'd hop on a plane head out in canada to east coast or west coast speak all weekend and come back on sunday night and say hello to my family and go back to teaching but each talk was uh something that kind of grew there's a book i read from a pastor in chicago and he wrote a book called holy discontent but basically it's this idea of what are those things that bug you and then his kind of point was to engage in those things. And so after a talk on media, I added one on, and this was probably 20 years ago now, I added one on self-harm, so self-injury, suicide. Wow. Today we talk wow. about those things under the umbrella of mental health, but back then they were kind of on their own. And then every few years, uh, you know, adding a new talk on a topic that, you know, when people would come up to me again and again asking a question, how do I deal with this in my own life or in my, my kid's life that kind of created this discontent in me. And I kind of added a new talk and I'm kind of a different speaker in that 
it takes me about two years to research a talk. So I wow. read everything I can find and every book that I read, I'm, you know, if someone mentions another author or another website or podcast, I'm going to that and kind of wow. the goal being to find, you know, the bigger conversation in that and then trying to help people walk through it. Cause it's, the goal has got to be more than just information. It's got to be ha- like, if it's mental health, how do we help people not just talk about mental health? Same with parenting. How do we help parents be better parents and not just talk about parenting? And so I've been doing that now. I think this is my 25th year. Uh, it's been an interesting wow. year for me with COVID. I'm 73 canceled speaking dates and I do a lot of my stuff over Zoom, which I hate like everyone else in the world. We all yeah. dislike, yeah. you know, millions of squares of little people. But I say I hate it, but right now it's all we have. And so I would much rather do a Zoom call or I do a lot of eCam. eCam is a software where I yeah. go live and do a Facebook group or YouTube. But that's kind of the season. And coming up to the fall right now, I have a number of like in-person speaking. So kind of like most of us, my life's kind of in flux. But that's kind of how I got into it and some of the stuff that I do. Uh, thanks, uh, Brett. You know, I really, um, Brett, one of the things I'm really impressed about you is you're very real and vulnerable about your own journey. So what I want to do is tell my viewers, and including me, tell me a little bit about your story. And then what are some of the good definitions of anxiety and depression? What are the major mental health issues people suffer from these days? And what can we infer from this trend that's that's happening, especially during COVID too? For sure. So I was a speaker who spoke on mental health but it was not something that I dealt with. And okay. then I kind of, I left teaching. I went into a thing called the Aero program. Suddenly had to work more and more. And then I went from that program into a, a master's degree. Now having a master's degree, and I'm actually like, I'm Canadian living outside Toronto, taking a master's degree in Chicago. So I'm an international student, even though it's a 55 minute flight away. And my life suddenly became very, let's use the word unbalanced. I was now speaking 275 to 300 speaking dates a year to pay for my wow. degree. Wow. I'm still married. I still have two kids. They're still young. Uh, I'm writing a book a year at that time. My first few books were coming out. And my friends, my family uh, were a nonprofit. So my board of directors, everyone sat me down and said, you know, the term intervention, it used to be a TV show. <laughs> yes. Like each, each person sat me down and said, you need to slow down. And I replied to all of them the same way. I just said, I will, but I will March 1st, 2012, because that was the day I would graduate. Rather than having a master's over a decade, I just wanted to get it done and push through. But I would go to speaking event. I remember once speaking 32 times in 14 days. Wow. And so it would be a school in the morning. Uh, like so it'll be 9 a.m school and then like a one o'clock school and then maybe a parents thing but like that's my day and then i'm sitting in a restaurant having dinner working on a paper for my master's that's wow. impressive and so, so i got to march 1st 2012 you know it's eight years ago and i got to that date and i graduated and i had awesome. even written out a document for my own life of how to re rebalance things family you know all these other things but I woke up two hours early that day and it was kind of weird. I thought like it's 5 a.m. I don't know why I'm up, but I thought maybe it's all the stress of the masters being done. But the next few days went from five to four to three to suddenly I wasn't sleeping. And if anyone mm-hmm. listening has ever struggled with sleep, there are those nights you're just, you're up and you feel weird. I always use the word tingly, which some people grasp and others don't. 
And then about a few months into that, I began to have, and I don't even know what to call it. I call it weirdness, but mm-hmm. I began to struggle speaking. I was speaking to a evening of youth. There was probably 400 students in the room and I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot six. And so I actually would like, I don't usually go onto a stage at a venue. I'm on the ground and I'm still mm-hmm. pretty tall, but I wander around. And in the middle of my talk, the world turned sideways. Uh, it was like the movie from a long time ago, the matrix. It was like this, the, everything just turned. Yeah. And I remember in my head trying to, like I kind of said to myself, how do you gracefully pass out in front of 500 people? Like, do you just fall over like a tree? Do you go down to one knee and then crawl? Like this was my thought process. And so the front of my mind is still speaking. The back of my mind is trying to figure out how to pass out. Wow. And I finished the wow. night and I went back to my, my family doctor and I said, I, I'm struggling with, with something. And he said, Oh, I think you have anxiety. And I said, no, no, you, you don't understand. I speak on anxiety. And he said, no, 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 you have anxiety. It was this weird banter. And I forget what he put me on. It was just something simple. I think it was a medication. And I went home. And probably two weeks later, I thought, okay, I'm good. And I went back on the road. And I was speaking, uh, there's a town called Windsor, which is across the water from Detroit for Americans. Yeah. But uh, I was speaking uh, Catholic high schools. I was going to do 10 of them. And on my second day, I found myself crying in my car. Now, for anyone, but especially for male listeners, that's, there's a lot going on there. Like that's, I'm just not okay. Canceled the tour, went home, more doctors, more specialists. And it was a few months after that. I mean, there was a few other dates that I had panic attacks at and other things, but I was speaking at a camp that summer. So kind of March through summer, I call this my pre-breakdown because that July, I was speaking at a camp, went boating for the day with my, our family and another family, and then coming home, went to uh, McDonald's. We had young kids, so that's kind of your McDonald's dinner. Mm-hmm. And coming out of the McDonald's, it's funny with mental health. I can tell you the moment my life changed. I tried to snap my fingers there. People can't hear it. It, it is there. <laughs> There's this moment. So I'm walking out of a McDonald's, and if you've been to McDonald's, most McDonald's is if that's the term you have to walk through the drive-through to get to your car and I suddenly thought I was being hit by a car and then I realized I'm well past the drive-through I'm actually falling into a parked car my Ah. equilibrium was shot and my wife I kind of called out and she grabbed my arm like a blind person and walked me to my car to which she drove me back to the cottage we were staying out at this camp and I didn't leave the cottage for a week And then I didn't leave my house for five months. And then I didn't work for a year. And there's irony in my journey in that it's uh, eight years plus later and I still struggle. And I still, uh, you know, anxiety, depression, panic. Panic is still part of my life. Anxiety is still part of my life. Depression, not as much, but there's just irony in my journey in that now I'm a speaker who speaks on this, uh, who to this day still struggles with it. So it's become kind of, part of my life. It's such an empowering journey and it's good that you found what you're passionate about when you're doing mm-hmm. something that you truly believe in. It doesn't feel like work and at the same time you're, in, you're inspiring and empowering others. I think that's fantastic mm-hmm. and I, I'm curious to hear more during your journey. Um, you travel around the world so you must have seen a lot of the different mental health landscapes in all over all over the globe, pretty much like in different countries, different continents, maybe. And do you notice different trends in different regions, maybe like 
um, what's the biggest mental health issues over there, and then um, what may be the attributing factors, etc. So we're, I think if you had to say the two things that we're seeing today, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, anxiety disorders would be it. <clears throat> now, anxiety disorders is a catch-all. I mean, GAD, generalized anxiety disorders, what we talk about a lot, panic disorder, mm-hmm. which is panic attacks. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what a panic attack is, I use the example, it's like someone takes a grenade, pulls out the pin, and their grenade goes off inside you but it's emotions and it's that moment that suddenly you cannot survive in that situation whether you're at work right you're a professor you're a student you're you're in an environment you suddenly have to leave you could just be sitting with friends having dinner but whatever it is your emotions are just incredibly heightened Uh, social anxiety disorders then we get into phobias like it's just Anxiety is a big term. And then depression would be the other one. And we find depression and anxiety are often kind of paired together. For me, I think my anxiety and then being at home and not working kind of led into my depression. But I don't even know if we have good definitions of what anxiety and depression are. So Mm -hmm. like if there's a continuum, you know, if you think of like, if if my, you can see my hands stretched out, there'd be like anxiety disorders from people doing, or anxiety would be people doing well on one continuum and all the way along to people who are struggling on the other. And so someone having a panic attack, well, that's pretty far along. Uh, Someone having social anxiety or, you know, anxiety so bad, you can't go to work or be with your family. But in the middle is all the other things. And COVID is one of them, just where we, even as adults, we kind of struggle with you know, how things are going, like, uh, when we're, the day we're filming this, school starts in Canada tomorrow. And so we as parents and teachers, there's this anxiety, but is that an anxiety disorder? And I would say, no, it's kind of situationally based. Based, okay. But six months from now, if teachers have had stress every day for six months, we could be heading into places where we're we're having something that's more of a disorder. And then we, like my daughter started university. Uh, I dropped her off at a university called Western a few days ago. And so as a dad, I have some anxiety over my, I say my little girl, she's 18 at university, but is that an anxiety disorder? And you get my point. It's this continuum of what is rational, what is situational, what might be more, you know, medical or something else or brain chemistry and depression is the same. You know, you have people who are at home and can't leave the house. And then you have people yeah. who've like, maybe during COVID you've lost a loved one or maybe yeah. not even COVID did cancer or a relationship has deteriorated. Yeah. You've lost your job. Like I know for me, I'm sad these days. I, for a living traveling and speak to groups and mm. it's been many months. I've actually had now six plus months where I haven't been in front of an audience speaking. It's yeah. a lot of this, which is, it's different talking to people, you know, staring at a green light on a computer than it is being in an environment, reading body language and having good conversations afterwards. But I think depression and anxiety, and and most importantly, anxiety are what we see and what we hear about everywhere. And there is no place that you you can't say, well, in this country, there's not, there isn't that. We're seeing it all over the world in different ways, different shapes, different forms. Uh, and so that trend shows us, I mean, if the question was, what do we infer from that trend of the growth of anxiety? 
the most simplistic thing I could say is it shows that something's not okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That our lives are not sustainable somehow. And there's breakdown in family, in health, in the workplace. Like something's not okay. If things are going well, great. But we're seeing that they're not. And so the Mm -hmm. question then, what what do we do from that? What is to blame kind of, and the people want to blame quickly. If we figure out what some of those things are, we can look at changing. Because if we keep Mm -hmm. going the way we are, nothing's getting better. You know, if we look to 2021 to 2022, if everyone keeps doing what we keep doing, we won't suddenly be better. We will see more, if not like even greater conversations on this. Wow. Hey, Brett, uh, thank you so much. You know, my hair is standing up and I can relate to what you're telling me because I'm glad you broke it down into uh, rational uh, and medical and situation because I know my wife's got cancer right now, and so there's that anxiety. I'm going to work in the office. I don't want to get COVID because then I can't live with her. I can't live with my parents who are both 83. Uh, my daughter's going to grade 11 now, and she's being two or three days, so I, so, I, so I can totally relate to that. So thanks for sharing that. Now, I want to ask you two questions. One is, uh, we often hear that technology is the main issue with anxiety today. So is this true? What do you think? Many parents think they only need to unplug the gadgets and it will all go away. Is it really that simple? And then the second one I want to know, I ask is, and I know you've explained to us, how do you know someone is struggling with mental health? Like, what are the signs? Hmm. I'm glad you're asking little questions here. <laughs> we could spend an hour. Um, so I would say this. Anytime you receive a, a message, especially you see these on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. Yeah, kind of because those technologies give you these like, you know, five apps you got to delete or you, you, you know, you got to throw away your phone. Anytime that anyone blames everything on yeah. something, I would encourage you to delete that message or that whatever. Everything being blamed on one thing is not it's not the reality and it's not true. So is is mental health today all caused by technology? No. Is part of it caused by technology? Yes. And this is where we seem to be losing kind of critical thought a lot in society. We're seeing mm-hmm. this during COVID, right? There's extremes of conversations and we're not thinking through things. But mm-hmm. like if, if all we had to do was to take our, our iPhones and our Android phones and toss them out the window, we'd all be fine. This is a really easy answer. Now, yeah. Yeah. I do think we've seen probably a 25 to 40% and I'm throwing out stats, but I think I've read around there 25 to 40% growth in mental health since wow. the advent of the, of the iPhone. But we've also had societal changes in those seasons as well. Like, uh, so technology, yes. The, the idea of not being enough. We look at Instagram. I was actually at a university once. I was speaking to, I think it was about a thousand uh, college, university age women. And I asked wow. the question, how many of you feel less than after being on Instagram? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. hands were going up. I'm like, okay, let's do it different. Who doesn't feel less than? Nobody. Not a single hand. Like, wow. there's something about looking at people's, I mean, you probably heard the quote that Instagram is looking at people's like highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just living your regular life. Like people take a hundred photos and then if that photo doesn't get a lot of likes, we delete it. So yes. there's an issue with, and there's an issue too with technology in just uh, the idea of dopamine. So dopamine's a chemical in the brain, like many other chemicals. And every time 
my Apple Watch taps me, every time my phone gives me a ding, anything like that. It's the same with getting a hug or a kiss. Dopamine is the love drug is called. But every time mm. technology gives me a little bump of that, I get a dopamine hit to the brain. And here's the problem. We don't know what a million dopamine hits does to the human body. But teenagers today, to quote, like my, I'm a science teacher, are like the Petri dish of the experiment and we're not doing well. Like mental health today is growing amongst all ages and stages, but we're seeing it incredibly, uh, how do I say it? We're seeing incredible growth amongst teenage girls and mm -hmm. young adult girls. Uh, so technology is an issue and we need to learn how to, I think I have an, a 10 part series on YouTube, how to have a better relationship with your phone. Less notifications, less touching, like we touch our phones thousands of times mm -hmm. a day. Mm -hmm. But how about other things? And I have a talk called uh, Parenting, Navigating Everything. And I talk about over-parenting. Over-parenting has been a growth from the, in the last 15 to 20 years. This is where we as parents do too much. And because mm. we do too much, because we over-function, students today are under-functioning. Now, it's not all students, but it's many. There was a book by a girl named, uh, a woman named Julie Lithcott Hames, and she actually called the young adults today, um, not quite fully formed humans, which is a wow. funny sentence. But what we see today is people just unprepared. Like my daughter, as I said, headed off to university and she's ready. But we're seeing many people today, they can't break away from their parents because their parents have made their choices on things. So yes. overparenting yes. is an issue. And then we have the other things which we know of. Uh, there's a predisposition to mental health. And I don't know why maybe I have that and someone else doesn't. And mm -hmm. it's very similar, Jerry, to your, you said your wife with cancer. Why is yeah. there a predisposition to that? And we don't know. And so yes. uh, predisposition, trauma can cause uh, mental health. I think I went through, a, I'm going to call it a burnout or a breakdown. Is that the issue with me? And I think it's one of them. Uh, isolation and loneliness is, I mean, I think it's in, oh, where is it? The United Kingdom, they now have a minister of loneliness in, in their parliament. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? Like, wow. We are becoming very lonely. Uh, yes. It yes. be that uh, statistically it would say like people have so many friends. And the new one for men is that men have like less than one friend that they can yes. share things with, which means that some men have no friends and others have friends but we're, we're a very lonely culture it used to be we'd say men 40 50 and 60 are lonely including many women but more uh, predominant with men and now we're seeing it in high school that wow. our kids to wow. the most connected generation ever but they're also the most lonely generation yes. ever uh long-term sickness could play into this if you have long-term unwellness you know whether it's chronic disease or other things that can affect your mental health and substance abuse and I, we could go on. The point just being is there are so many reasons that it could be. And I think you need to look at those things that you have that play a role. I mean, I can't change predisposition. I can't change sickness. Uh, but I could change my parenting, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or mm -hmm. I could change not getting dopamine hits to the brain. And so some of those things are uh, really important to look at. And I think the second question you asked is, how do we know if someone's struggling with mental health? Was that the second question you asked? Yes, yes. So this is where it gets tricky. Yeah, okay. some of these things 
could be regular life. And some of these things could mean you're struggling with mental health. So how about things like change in eating or sleeping patterns? Those things, I mean, anyone like, so sleeping is still my issue. I still don't sleep well. I wake up unrested. When I mm. wake up unrested, I don't feel as knit together, if that makes any sense. And yep. I have a bit yeah. of anxiety in these days. But how about if you have, if you're a parent listening to this during COVID season, as kids are at home, our kids are going to bed at two in the morning all over the world. This is just the new phenomenon people say, and parents are trying to get their kids to go to bed earlier. And I'm kind of like, let them go to bed at two in the morning. It's actually a more natural time for kids to go to bed. That's why we talked about having high schools at 10 in the morning and not eight in the morning. It's when kids yeah. kind of function. So it could mean mental health. It could mean absolutely nothing. Okay. Uh, changes okay. in your social uh, things, like, you know, withdrawing from people. Well, right now, is that to do with COVID and fears? Or is it to do with you're, you're actually withdrawing because of your mental health? Uh, mood changes is a big one. You feel sad, okay. you feel irritable, worry, uh, anxiety, feeling depressed, like mood changes. But how many people during COVID have not felt in the last six months? You wake up and you're like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Like, I'm spending eight hours a day. I'm trying to watch my children. I'm sick of being in a room. Uh, but you, again, this could be something it could not. Now, when someone starts not being able to function, uh, not showering, not eating, oh, wow. okay. uh, and uh, eating and getting groceries, uh, those are things that we now know are a bit more serious. Uh, mm. Substance abuse, and we might call this self-injury, where people are hurting themselves to get beyond overwhelming feelings, thoughts, and emotions. So some people drink, uh, but they're drinking not just to have a drink. They're drinking in excess because they really think their life sucks, right? It's, I don't like yeah. where I'm at, so I'm going to drink or maybe do drugs or other things to get more control. Uh, and here's probably one of the bigger ones. There are no signs. I can't, like, wow. I can't look at either of you and go, oh, you have mental health. Like, yeah. it's okay. like, someone should say to me, oh, you look good. And I'm like, thanks. But they're, they're kind of saying it like, I guess because I look good, my mental health is good. And it's like, uh, I'm unwell on the inside, not on the outside. And so this is where it's hard, uh, just that there's so many ways that we can talk about this. And there's so many ways we need to kind of figure out, is it normal or is this something that's actually a concern? Wow. Wow. Wow, that is some valuable input, especially for those who's not familiar with the topic itself. That's really great information. And I'm curious, uh, for those of for our audience who's listening today, who's tuning in, uh, if they're struggling with mental health, what, what can they do about it? What if they don't even realize that it's actually an issue that they need to seek help? What if they're just thinking, okay, I'm just having a low day, you know, it's just, it's just like a little bump in my life, I'll get over it. They don't realize that maybe they should actually seek professional help. Um, what can they do about it? How, they, how do we as humans access our own mental health status. What's interesting is, is how many times a month someone writes me and is asking this question. I wonder if I'm struggling with mental health. It is a never ending conversation. And I reply the same to people. If you think you're struggling, you're probably struggling. Like, wow. Okay. No, no person who's doing well sits down and suddenly goes, huh, I wonder if I'm depressed. Like no one's ever done that. 
the only reason you would think you're depressed if there is some kind of, let's use the term, blahness in your life. The only reason you would think, I wonder if I'm struggling with anxiety, is if you're having some moments that are anxious. And so I think the problem with mental health is that if you asked, like if you wrote your listeners and said, how do we get better with mental health? Everybody will have a different answer. Because because people believe mental health comes from different places and people have seen, oh, well, my dad took a vitamin B12 needle and he's better or have you tried you know eating this food or i went started running and it was better and so i i'm very uh pragmatic i like structure and so i use the term body mind and soul i think that is the most simplistic way and that's like modern psychology uses that today now Mm -hmm. uh, body and mind we all understand soul people start questioning are you talking about like religion but it's the idea of that there's more to us, our soul, our spirit. Like if, if you've ever gone for a walk and someone says, well, that was good for my spirit. But the point would be, if you're struggling, what do you do? And I would say, you need to look at things from a body, mind, and soul perspective. Because I can't look at anyone and say, your issue is here. Mm, so mm-hmm, go and mm-hmm. get assessment in those things. And so uh, you know, for the body, I always say that a doctor is a good gatekeeper for this, but a general practitioner, general doctor is not a specialist in mental health as well. But you could go to the doctor and say, I'm struggling a bit with this. And they could do a very simple physical, maybe get some blood work taken, uh, maybe get a sleep test done if you're not sleeping well. I had a friend of mine who uh, kind of went through a season where he was at home like me. We were at different times, but mm-hmm. he would not go to a sleep clinic. And I kept challenging him to go, and he did. And this doctor said to him, you have the worst sleep apnea we've ever seen. Oh, wow. One of those, I call them Darth Vader machines, BiPAP, CPAP machines. And he was better within one day. If you've ever not slept and then slept eight hours, but his answer was a CPAP machine, BiPAP machine. Like, Well, his wasn't B12 or running or something. His was sleep. And so even if you go to a sleep clinic and you do one of these tests and it's not that, tick it off your box that, okay, my issue is not this. Uh, I encourage people to eat better. Like we have very poor diets. I'm not saying you can't ever eat junk food again. I'm just saying most people don't get enough vegetables and fruits and good food in one like i have smoothies for breakfast now with greens powders and fruits and everything else in it but eat better and sleep more and i have a youtube video on how to have good sleep hygiene but Mm -hmm. sleep is healing and sleep's really important so stop binge watching netflix till two in the morning and get good night sleeps right and some of us go to bed later and you sleep in a bit more but the point is you need good rest and uh I would say to exercise and exercise becomes what we might just call a non-negotiable for those of us who struggle exercise every day. And then someone says, well, like, what do you want me to do? And I would say, I don't care (laughs) whatever you want to do. I walk every day. I walk minimum five kilometers every day of my life. I've done it now for almost eight months. Uh, I go to the gym. I like weights. Uh, I've done like classes, whatever you want to do. Do you want to run? Do you want to like whatever, Uh, but do that. So it's kind of like, And that's a very simple look at the body. The mind, I would just say, go to a counselor. And a counselor is not what some people think. It's not you lying on a couch and, you know, now sometimes you can lie down if you feel dizzy or whatever, but it's just someone to help you put all these thoughts together. 
And so my counselor, I always say, I think has saved my life. You know, he, and I've had three, they've kind of helped me, you know, get some strategies. So one of the strategies was, is why don't you sit down? One of them said, when you're speaking, because I'm not speaking, because when I'm standing up, I'm getting dizzy. And I'm like, well, why don't you sit down? And I'm like, well, because you're supposed to stand. And it, one of them said, like, well, says who? And I'm now the speaker who sits. I get a big, I call them wing back chairs. They're kind of like grandmother chairs, you know, the big, huge backs. But I sit in a chair and I lean back and I don't worry about falling over. I mean, that's an irrational thought. But now I, I don't worry about that. And then so body and the mind and soul, I would find things that help you. I mean, uh, gratitude uh, could be faith for someone like religion, purpose, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, mindfulness, which is just breathing. Uh, there's a couple apps. Uh, one is called Headspace. Uh, one is called Calm. You might have heard these. Calm was like the iOS app of the year a few years ago. But if you're anxious, breathing, like inhale, hold, exhale for five minutes, does a world of good. You can't be anxious when you're breathing normally because our breathing changes. Interesting. Like if you could see me on the podcast, if your chest is rising up and down, it's bad. Your belly should be rising up and down. And so breathing and then uh, reflection and friends and family, the point being body, mind and soul is something not only those of us who struggle can look at, but I think all of us have to look at how do we live in a way that's sustainable. And I like the body, the mind and the soul, because I think it's something each and every one of us can actually do. Wow. Hey, Brett, thank you. You know, there's two things I've really, really liked about what you've spoken and it relates to me. You know, the first thing was I was not on social media until 2018. I, I just had a Facebook account and I had a LinkedIn account. And all of a sudden, as I became a blogger, I had to go into Pinterest and I had to go to Instagram and I had to go all these things. And you were right. Sometimes I would be more excited if something got 100 likes and something that didn't get one like, and I would get all this worked up about, and I was like, Jerry, why? Just do what you're doing. And so even as I was talking to Kimmy, I said, Kimmy, as artist, as a podcast, I don't care if two people listen to it or 500. I want people who listen or who come to my blog to make a difference in their lives. So, so we're not focusing on likes anymore. And as I stop focusing on likes, I just find that I'm not anxious anymore. So that's one thing I really liked what you said. The second thing I really, really liked about you talking about the soul. And as I get older myself, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing more on that. I'm focusing more on walks and I'm focusing on, you know, that is my soul at rest and finding and connecting. So, so, so thank you for that. One thing I do want to ask you is, is, is sometimes I know you're not sensitive. So talk to me about how we can help someone and be sensitive to those who are having issues with their mental health. Talk to me about that and to the audience, because that's something I want to grow in myself. I think the, the most simple thing is listening. Okay. Um, and I forget if it was Peter Drucker. Someone said, listen to understand, don't listen to respond. I think mm -hmm. that was actually a Peter Drucker quote. But so quickly, if someone says, oh, I'm struggling with anxiety, we're very quickly to shoot out an answer as opposed to just sitting and being with that person in the moment. Uh, they, there's not an easy answer to these things, but I think what people need is someone to be in the moment with them. And someone like, you know, you can ask questions, tell me about your journey, tell me how you're feeling. But the point is that you're there and you're in that space with them. 
Because too often, I think people who struggle with mental health, we avoid. We avoid because of our fear. Uh, I remember once, uh, I forget where I was. I think it was at church. I hadn't been to church in like five months and someone saw me and they said, oh, I've been avoiding you for five months. And I kind of laughed and said, like, <laughs> I haven't been here in five months. Uh, but they, they said, no. And they kind of, they were laughing and crying. And they said, oh, I, looking at you scares me because it could be me. We're the same age. We have the same number of kids. And if this is your life, it could easily be my life. Now, what's hard in that is like, it's becoming about them in that moment. And in that season, it was probably more important to be about me. Like I'm now having to console this person <laughs> in my unwellness. But um, there's no there's no perfect way other than be there for them, support them. And the body, mind, and the soul analogy, you can do yeah. with them. You could say okay. to them, you know, let's go for a walk every, like I'm an early morning walker. And every day they're the same people. You have dogs or your friends walking. You could say, well, why don't we, you know, walk each day? Why don't we, you know, I'll take you to a family doctor. Like there are things that you can do. And I think in doing that, you take away a bit of the stigma as well. When you say, I know you're struggling. Let's, let, let, let me help you. Let, let's go to a doctor. You're, you're saying I'm here for you. We'll walk through this together. You're actually recognizing that a doctor is important by saying that. You could say, hey, I know a really great counselor. And uh, why don't we you know, I'll, I'll walk you to the counselor. And I know people who've actually gone into the counseling appointment. And then mm -hmm. after the part way in the person, the counselor says, do you mind if, you know, do you mind if Jerry leaves and you go, and then you're left kind of being with the counselor. But I don't think there's any perfect way, but I do think it's acknowledging what's going on and listening to the people and seeing how you can support them. But the hard part is, is those of us who are unwell don't know what we need. And those people who want to help don't know what to give. So there's this, there's this confusing moment. So I always say to people, don't say like, well, if you need, if you need a meal, let me know. Like wow. uh, when someone has, and I know Jerry, this is your situation now. Uh, people are bringing you guys meals. And I've seen some yes. of those messages on yes. the forums, but here's what's interesting with mental health. Someone once wrote that mental health is a non-casserole illness. <laughs> yes, I can relate to you that. I can relate. Now you have to, you, that, for those of you, a, cas a casserole, if you, like this is an old term, but it's like a porcelain pot where you put a meal into it, a lasagna or yes. something else. Yes. yes. But when I went through my journey, very few people uh, wrote me and said, do you want a meal? And yes. uh, it was a year ago, I actually got diagnosed with Lyme disease, which they believe might be the root of my mental health. They don't know. But the moment I got diagnosed, people began saying, well, do you want me to bring you a meal? And I, I first <laughs> out like, it's just interesting because yeah. we don't we recognize yeah. cancer and other unwellnesses in one way, but we don't with mental health. And so saying, I'm going to bring you a meal. Well, what's your favorite meal? Or I'm going, to, I'm going to send over a pizza tonight. What's your favorite pizza place? Or, but it's just saying I'm going to do it. Or I want to take you for coffee this week. What day works for you? Right? It's giving them a bit of leeway, but it's pushing for an actual date. You know, If I say, hey, we're going to do lunch, Kimmy, if we don't book a lunch date, we're not having lunch. Now, you and I live halfway around the world from each other, but, you know, if, if you're we'll booking something. Virtual lunch. <laughs> if you're going to make it, you need to book a date. But the point with this, I would just say, listen, uh, support them however they might need help. And again, there's no right and wrong with that. I think people just need to know that they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's such a huge topic, and it's good to feel supported and to be understood 
when you're struggling, when you're going through, especially during this time. And as you said, during COVID, a lot of people find themselves struggling through different mental health issues. It has been a really, really tough year. And mm-hmm. especially, especially since, you know, mental health issues in the Asian culture is kind of a taboo. A lot of people don't actually believe that it exists. They just Agreed. kind of dismiss it. Yeah, they literally don't believe in it. They just feel that as it's all in your mind. Just not think about it and it's not there. That's kind of like the mentality in a lot of the Asian countries. So I'm curious, what would you tell our audience if they know that they want to talk to someone, but because of their family and the environment they're in, they're too scared to reach out and they don't feel comfortable. What can they do? Who can they talk to? And what should they start doing to feel better? Like they know they want to reach out for help. They just don't know where to get it. And where can people find your work online? What kind of resources you have? Sure. Well, we could have like 10 podcasts on all of this conversation. So and we're going to have you more often, okay? We're going to have you more often, trust me. Definitely. Now, I, I often get a chance in Toronto. I think Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world. So I'm often in environments which would be like a Vietnamese environment or a Japanese or a Korean or a Chinese environment. And I do think that if you drill down on different specific Asian cultures, you will find there are some nuances to how people deal with mental health. Uh, You know, some might be thoughts that there's this lack of uh, harmony or, you know, it's an emotional thing. Uh, I've heard people talk about evil spirits. Well, there's a lot of like, what does that mean? And, uh, or even just the idea of depression is just sadness or depression doesn't exist. There's lots of these things. And then because of what we feel and what our belief system is about mental health, our answers are, are similar. If you believe that someone is being punished for some reason because of something they did, then mental health needs to be correcting that thing that you did. But this is where we, we say things to people with diabetes and cancer or other things that you would, we would never say that to them, but we say that to people with mental health. And so there mm-hmm. are some differences with the root issue of mental health. And so some people's their coping for mental health ends up being very traditional, acupuncture, you know, herbal things, avoiding the problems or other things. Now, I, I do think that there's, there's, I mean, we can also talk about um, cultural things, you know, a greater sense of honor and structure within an Asian family, within Asian life, you know, uh, you know, outside the home. So here's how I'm going to answer this. Um, I think we need to be and people, not or people. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So, mm, yes, like I've done, I've done acupuncture for my journey, but it's acupuncture and doctor and exercise. This is and because you don't know, like if acupuncture is working, awesome, keep doing it. But if it's not working, maybe something else can be added into that. And so and people are willing to say, I'm going to eat better. And I'm also going to do acupuncture. Uh, I also I'm a firm believer in what I call functional medicine, which I believe is the future of medicine anywhere in the world. It's not just doctors, but it's doctors with naturopaths, with osteopaths, which with massage, Mm -hmm. with all of these things. And acupuncture is part of this realm. And each person is different and unique. And so maybe adding in all of these things together and trying different things. But if it's working great, if it's not change. And I also think we can't change, we're not going to just 
like I love that we're beginning a conversation here. And, and I love that your podcast is looking at how you address things, you know, in, from more of an Asian context. But sometimes what we just have to do is realize that what we can change is ourselves. And, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. our yep. own mental health. So yep. to say, okay, I, no matter what my parents or background or whoever else thinks, I'm going to get my mental health better. And I'm going to look at maybe a body, mind, soul, more holistic view of this. Uh, and then maybe we look at how I'm going to view that in my home with my family, whether it's my, my mom or my dad, my grandparents, nieces or nephews, whoever is around us, if they're struggling with mental health, I'm going to give them supports and I'm going to talk about like, I'm going to do it in a more, maybe, I don't know, proper way sounds wrong. I'm going to address it in a way that might help them realize they're not alone and that I'm with them in that journey. And then that grows to be how we act with our friends uh, or maybe with mm-hmm. our coworkers. Maybe for someone listening, you're in a leadership, a leadership position in a business or a company. And then it goes to how you're going to help people in the workplace with you. Like you picture you're, uh, you know, in a large company, maybe even a hundred people in, in your employment. And you talk about how important mental health is and you let people know if they're struggling, here are some things, or here's a counselor that, you know, you could go see. You're giving people permission to walk that journey towards hope and healing. And so I think that the we talk about it in the big, but we make the changes as individuals. And that's kind of how we look at moving forward with this. Wow. Now, the last part of your question, Kimmy, is where can you find me? Uh, my website is just my name. It's brettalman.com. Now, I'll let people know I do speak a lot in the Christian church world. So you'll find many articles that come from that bent. But I actually speak in the public world as well. So there's, I'm a very practical speaker. So most things I'm doing are looking at how do you practically kind of apply things to life. Uh, but you can find everything there. My blog is more of a curation, meaning I have probably a thousand. If you click on blog and go to parenting or mental health, I find the best resources that I can find, the best books and uh, on topics. And I just post those for you. So for mental health, I would encourage people to buy a book uh, called The Ripple Effect. I think it's Dr. Greg Wells. And it just says, eat better, sleep better, exercise better, and think better. Like it's those four, actually, like the four kind of body, mind, soul, but thinking as well. And there's just these little 1% changes you can make in your life each day. And those little 1% changes make big changes over time. And I have on my YouTube channel, and everything comes off my website. On the top, you can find Instagram, YouTube, and everything. But on my YouTube channel, I do weekly videos answering questions that people ask me, mostly parents, but those are the same questions that everyone's asking. And so off my website, you can find everything. And I do have a new book I just wrote called Parenting, Navigating Everything. It's on Amazon all over the world right now, but it's, uh, its biggest chapter is actually on mental health. So the first six mm. chapters are on parenting, communication, uh, discipline, time, parenting styles. But the next 10 chapters are on mental health, Pornography, dating, media, loneliness, alcohol and drug abuse, education, finances, but very practical based conversations for people. But you can all you can find me online or on social media as well. Great. Wow. Brett, uh, you know, I really want to thank you. So I have a confession to make. When I, when I started uh, wanting to starting to blog in 2018, December, actually, Brett's uh, blog was one of the first ones I checked. And just to all my 10,000 followers, I'll check him out. Check his book, check his podcast, check check everything he does. I mean, he's real. He's from the heart. Hey, Brett, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for giving your valuable time. And uh, I love you and your family. 
And listen, we're going to have you here more often. I mean, this 40 minutes has gone so fast. I know my hair has been standing and I've got a whole bunch of questions for you down the road. We're going to talk about loneliness in men. We're going to talk about pornography. We're going to talk about dating. We, uh, you know, there's so many questions. So thanks so much for having us over. And Brett, if you have one thing to say to my audience right now, just one thing, it could be one sentence. Just go ahead. It's yours. Just one thing you want to tell my audience. Just go ahead. Oh, interesting. I've been reading, I'm, I'm creating a new talk right now for men and I've been reading books on men. And I've realized that one of the biggest things for all of us is that we need to really look at the ideas of habits. Mm. And so I would encourage people just to start putting good habits into your life. So, you know, if you want to drink more water, I put a glass of water downstairs when I go to bed so that it's ready for me in the morning. If I want to go for a walk in the morning, I put up my running shoes and my socks and whatever, however the weather is going to be, because when I get up, I put that on and, and go for a walk. And I would just encourage people, whatever it is you're looking at doing that helps kind of like your body, mind, and soul, just start with something, start with one thing and make it that, like I walk every day now, it's just part of my life. Do I, are there days that I miss it once in a blue moon? Yeah, but 98% of my time, I, I go for a walk each day, but that's now part of my life. And then I work on something else. And so I would, uh, I would just encourage people to kind of choose one thing from everything we've talked about today and implement that. And once that's kind of part of your life, then we look at something else. And this kind of helps us just moving forward in all aspects of our lives. Fantastic. That's a, that's a great final speech. And thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot and especially on how to deal with these kind of issues. And during this time, I'm sure that it's been it's been a long time since a lot of us has been in quarantine and in lockdown. And this has been really useful at how we can reevaluate the situation and then how to get ourselves into to get out of the dark place and then to get help as well. So it's been really fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and I can't wait to have you as our guest again on another episode. Thank you so yeah. much, Brad, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey, this have is Jerry from time. Toronto and goodbye and have a great week. Enjoy listening and go on to uh, Brett's website, send us emails if you have any questions and I'm going to make sure I'll get him down on another podcast for us down the road. Brett, thank you very much. Stay safe and I hope you get those speaking engagements and uh, have a great week ahead of you, okay? Good day. Thanks. Talk soon.